0: Here's to your success in property, finance, and money management. You're listening to The Long Property Show with your hosts, Daniel Gold and Patrick Lynch.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Long Property Show. I'm Dan Gold. And I'm Patrick Lynch. And the studio is full today. This yeah. is exciting.
0: Yeah, we're um at Full House.
1: Full House. So uh, some of our audience might know Terry. We're, we've mentioned Terry in a couple of episodes back, but um, our latest member of the the Long Property team, who's joined as a mortgage broker, but we want to uh, loop her in here because of her background in insurance, and that's what today's topic's all about. So welcome, Terry. Thank you. And we've also got Scott, Scott Dawes from Long Property Protect, uh, our partner in in our risk advisory and insurance business. So welcome, Scott. Thank you, Dan. And today we're going to be talking about some big changes uh, shaking up the income protection world. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. What can you tell us, Scott? Lead into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just just straight into it. Straight into it. Well, there's a lot going on. There's already been one significant change to the product, uh, which happened last year. Um, I won't sort of dwell on the detail of that one too much, but it's um, something that's already in place. And there's further changes that are coming uh, on the back of APRA mandated requirements for the industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. so high level, this is for people that um, already have income protection insurance or are about to get it. Who does this impact most?
0: Good question. Um, So rest assured, people who have an existing policy, there's no changes. Okay. So existing policies, everything's grandfathered. They can't be changed, provided you keep those policies. Um, But for policies that commence from the 1st of October this year, there will be pretty big
1: changes in those
0: policies compared to what we see in the market today.
1: Right, so needless to say then, for people considering taking out new policies, there could be a timing advantage of doing that prior to these changes being implemented. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yep.
0: So Scott, they um, so they talk a lot about in these changes agreed value policies. Yes. What, what if people are on indemnity policies? Mm. Lack so, so look, high, high level, um, an agreed value policy basically provides greater certainty at the time of claim that you'll receive whatever you see on your monthly benefit of your policy is what you're going to receive at the time of claim. And that's based on the fact you've probably already provided financials and, and all those sorts of things to support that. Versus an indemnity policy is something where at the time of claim, the insurance company will look back at a period of 12 12 months up to three years currently to say what's your, what's your income then and if your income is lower than what supports the monthly benefit you'll actually receive less than what's on the policy.
1: Right so with the current rules you're effectively able to lock in um, this this amount earlier on and, and not be That's right. subject to the risk.
0: Yeah so agreed value policies are no longer new new policies and no longer available in the market that was the change that I alluded to earlier um, that came into effect from um, the 1st of April last year. And now we're seeing further changes that are coming about. And I suppose just to give a little bit of context around why these changes are occurring. Um, so effectively, policies have just been getting better and better and better over the years. And it's, in, in a lot of cases, it's very easy to claim. It's easy to stay on claim. And it's easy to receive potentially more money by being on claim than by returning to work. Right. So with all of that in mind and, and as a broader context of the industry, APRA as the regulatory body wants to see insurance companies maintaining sustainability and hence uh, you know, why pricing of income protection has been going up. If you've got a policy, you've probably seen increases in your policy recently. And unfortunately we're probably expecting more. But in the whole scheme of things, right now and then even from first of october when these other changes which we'll talk about come into effect australia has still will and will still have probably the most favorable income protection policies in the world well wow. when you compare it to other markets where you either can't get it
1: or it's really difficult to claim on these policies interesting this sounds like another whole podcast episode in of itself <laughs> but um, all right so that's really interesting so um, aside from that significant change mm-hmm. are there any other key changes that are worth mentioning
0: so the ones that are coming up
1: in October um,
0: probably two main ones that we see and, and it really continues to emphasize the importance of making sure that your policies are being reviewed pretty regularly Um, so from the 1st of October if you obtain the new income protection policy it will be an indemnity policy only and so that look back at the time of claim will what they're actually saying is it's going to be 12 months the issue that brings to mind is well what if my income goes up and down from one year to the next so if I happen to need to claim and unfortunately at that same time coincidentally my income has dropped I'm self-employed, um, then potentially you're going to be overinsured on your policy and then receive less less of benefit at the time of time. So we're still waiting for a bit of clarification around that because the the current in, in, um, indemnity policies will look at a three-year look back period mm-hmm. and go, okay, what's been your best 12 months of income over those three years? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's been suggested now that from the 1st of October, it will just be the 12 months before.
1: So I guess that just, again, further heightens the risk of not doing something sooner. Tell me, Scott, <coughs> did, um, is the cost of obtaining these policies going to change on the 1st of October? Or There's a, there's no, a lot of unknowns
0: at the moment. Unknown, um, yeah. So I sat in at a, a technical session on Friday, which um, the guy... Presenting is is not not only holds a PhD, but holds a PhD in tax and specifically a PhD in life insurance tax. Wow! So he he went into a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, about? just is it going to cost
1: more for oh, the co- first cost, or
0: Costing yeah. more. Where I was heading is that we, we we don't actually know what the policies will look like. We've got a broad brush idea from A.P.R. and the changes that they've recommended. Mm-hmm. But we haven't actually seen the policy documents yet. Right. Okay. And until such time as we see the policy documents, because that conversation I alluded to on Friday, it just creates more questions. Mm-hmm. And then as people who have an understanding of of these contracts and how they work in reality, you then start going, Well, hang on, in this circumstance, how does this work? Mm-hmm. And how will this be defined? And right now we don't know, so we're waiting. So right now, Scott, there's a lot of uncertainty about what the policies will be, what the costs Correct. will be. Seems like a lot of these changes are mainly about self-implied people with income protection outside of super. What about people who are PAYG, have super for all their insurances, how will that affect them? So something that will affect everybody regardless of your employment status is, um, so there's a term in current contracts that's referred to as guarantee renewal. So you take down an income protection policy today, you've got one currently, you went through a whole process to retain that policy, an application, answer lots of questions. Once you've got the policy, provided you continue to pay the premiums, the insurance company is guaranteed to continue to review that policy. They can't change the terms of the policy. Um, they can't take anything away from you as a policy holder or anything like that. And they can't reassess you based on changes to your circumstances. From the 1st of October, the policies will have a five-year guarantee So what that means is that every five years, you'll have to go through a reassessment process. Now, fortunately, that doesn't include health, but it does include your occupation income and hazardous pastimes, so things like if you're scuba diving or if you take up scuba diving, Start jumping out of airplanes or racing motor cars or you know, all sorts of things mm-hmm. that an insurer might look at. You know, mm, that's a bit risky. That could impact your ability to renew that policy. And then also, the policy that is issued at the time of the renewal after five years will be based on the terms and conditions of the policies in the market at that point in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, your policy could be one thing five years and then it could look very different again mm. for the next five years after
1: that reminds me in, in our world of like you know interest only periods or fixed interest rates expiring and then having to kind of right. recontract afterwards with updated information yep that kind of yeah. Thing. yeah yeah but very very similar yeah but yeah. just to reiterate it's very it's good that there's no medical underwriting absolutely we were, we were so really positive, concerned that that
0: was yeah. perhaps going to be captured I guess as an example, what we have seen in group policies through superannuation as an example, um, those policy terms and conditions will typically be altered every about three years or so. So it might be the same insurer, and then they alter the the term. they, They sort of roll over every three years or thereabouts. Or it might be they put it out to tender, and a new insurer comes in, and then new terms and conditions are applied. So if you're a life insured, under one of those policies, again, the terms and conditions of the policy can change, and you've got no choice whatsoever with regard to that. So, with this five-year guaranteed window, we're looking at the similar sorts of things occur. But can you just like explain the difference between a group policy as opposed to an individual? Because I think that's really important. To the yeah, look, I might focus more on. On the importance of the terms and conditions. Mm. So, whether it be a group policy, a retail policy, a direct policy, the terms and conditions, the detail is always the most important. Thing. And I'll relate it back to my claims' experiences. So, I'm dealing with a claim at the moment and previous claims that I've dealt with. The insurance companies very much stick to what's in the contract it's in the product disclosure statement and if something occurs that's outside of that then you may not be paid or it may take longer to actually process and go through payment Mm -hmm. so um, it's something that we spend a lot of time looking at is those terms and conditions what does it mean to be disabled as an example when we talk about income protection what are the requirements during the waiting those sorts of things. So it's good when we know what they are but then when we don't know what they're going to be in the future when we have to come through and terms and conditions are updated there to change. That's where it's that's a little bit
1: tricky. Just to, all, all extremely helpful, just to kind of tie it all together Scott, um, would you, what, would, what would you say in terms of the listener out there that doesn't yet have any existing income protection insurance? Mm-hmm. Um, and not so much just on the timing with respect to 1 October, but who who are the the, the types of um, people out there that you think are, are most at risk that really should have policies? And that, um, you know, maybe this just hearing this discussion might prompt them to uh, have a conversation to, sure. to the relevant sure, sure. You know, yeah, experts. Look, I, I think if
0: you're asking the question, who should have income protection? Yeah. Um, anyone who's earning income. And has something
1: to lose if they cannot work due to the us or injury. Sure, but, but still there are going to be some people that are earning income but have other safeguards, right? So what what are what like who's the ideal candidate that um, you know uh, may may not and therefore needs it more, more than sure, sure. And I, I think if someone reflects on their own circumstances and thinks, okay,
0: well if and this is this is what we do all the time, we're talking about what if scenarios hmm. currently working, earning income, mm-hmm. all good and well. Something happens. Let's say you have an accident, you're in the hospital, you can't work for three, six, twelve months, whatever that might be, or perhaps longer. Mm -hmm. How long will your income continue from the time you stop working? Mm -hmm. And that's that's really that's a personal thing.
1: Yeah,
0: it could be because of sick leave, it could be because of personal savings, as you mentioned,
1: Mm.
0: it could be because you're a business owner and the business has the yeah, but at some point in time, and from my experience, people tend to overestimate how, much how long, they've got, how yeah. long they can last, yeah, before they start to feel the pinch of, no, of having income.
1: Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. And most, like, there'll be a lot of
0: listeners out there who have income protection within mm-hmm. their super. Right. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, good place to start but not something that I would be relying on. Um, for some of the reasons that I mentioned, the devil's in the detail of the, of the policies. Um, plus, you're also then dealing with superannuation, law, and you're getting money out of super and all the time as well. Um, I always start with income protection outside super, mostly because of the better definitions and terms and conditions of those policies versus what we see. Of policy.
1: Not to mention the um, premiums can also be tax deductible as well. As an ancillary benefit, yes. Yeah, cool. Extremely helpful. Anything you'd like to finish off on, Scott, before we end the session? No, look,
0: I guess all I'm doing is just trying to help educate and help people understanding what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, anyone who's considering this sort of thing and, and perhaps thinks that's yeah, it's something to revisit. And
1: And and for anyone that, that didn't already know, um, no, uh, Long Property has partnered with Scott to effectively create Long Property Protect and provide this type of advisory services to all of our Long Property clients. Um, it's been ongoing for what maybe uh, seven or eight months now, and feedback's been great so far. Yeah, yeah, working well. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for your time, guys. Um, we'll What's put up? some notes in the uh, in the in the little write up here, and if you've got any questions for. Myself, Paddy, Terry or Scott, feel free to reach out anytime. Thanks, Emil.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Long Property Show. If you have any questions for Dan or Paddy, you can email hi at longproperty.com.au and they'll respond within 24 hours. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and also leave us a review. This way we can continue bringing you the best weekly content possible. See you again next week. Bye for now.